Well, we're back again for another Sunday. It's good to be together. It's not usually me up at the front here, so it's always a bit more nerve-wracking, I think, when you're doing this side of things. But it's really, really good to be here and gathered with you this morning. And so this morning, we are going to be continuing on in our Better Together, The Power of Unity series, where this week we are going to begin to maybe unpack how we actually are better together in community. So we want to begin to look at how we're called to live in community as the people of God, the importance of church gatherings, as well as how we can all play our part in connecting in here at Carrick Nazarene. So what does it mean for us to actually be gathered together? Like, is church in person actually necessary? Now that we've got all these live streams and YouTube catch-ups and podcasts and books and different things, is gathering together in person actually necessary? Like, is it necessary for me to get up and come to church for 11 o'clock on a weekend? And if you're not an early bird, maybe you'll struggle just like me. Or is it necessary for us to be part of a connect group? Is it necessary for us to connect in further, in a deeper, more relational way with one another? Because surely that's just coming out another night of the week. Surely we could do a wee, a wee Bible study just online where maybe we don't have to come and we don't have to gather and maybe we can just stay really comfortable. Are we just doing these things to tick the box? Or do we really understand the significance of gathering together as God's people in God's house? So I want to spend a bit of time this morning unpacking how the early church has modeled community really, really well in gathered environments. And again, what does that look like for us here this morning? But before I jump completely into the message this morning, I want to put a bit of a disclaimer on it, okay? And I think that it's important. I'm not going to do anything rational. I'm not going to start backflipping off the stage or anything. But I just want to put a quick disclaimer out there because sometimes with a message like this, Sometimes it can feel like there's guilt and shame being thrown from the person at the front. Maybe you're watching online, or maybe you've had to catch up online. Maybe you're not able to get out to the building as often as you would like. Or maybe due to health reasons, work schedules, things that are so beyond our control, we can't gather as much as we would like to. Please don't criticism this morning. It is not my heart to bring this message as a criticism, because I think there's a difference between choosing to withdraw from community, choosing to withdraw from gatherings and gathering environments, and there being a physical or a health or a work schedule block that actually stops us from being a part of community. So maybe if you're, I don't actually ever know where to look with these cameras, but, um, or up there, here, there, and everywhere. But maybe if you are catching up online or you're watching online and you, your heart is that you would love to be back here in the building, we want to tell you that we miss you and that we love you and that you're still as much of our family here at Carrick Nazarene. But like I've said, there's a difference between choosing to remove ourselves from community this is not supposed to be a message that is like riddled and intertwined with guilt and shame. Because I'm not here to shame people 
to coming into church, and I really hope you hear my heart this morning. I am not here to shame anybody to be in gathered environments. I'm not here to force anybody to be part of a connect group. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you and the Lord is prompting you, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm not here to prompt anybody or to shame anybody into doing anything like that. But I, and I don't think that God operates out of guilt or shame either. So my hope is that this message would encourage us to see the value, to begin to unpack the value in being God's people gathered here, who are united in their love and devotion to the Lord and to those around them. So now is probably a good time to pray before we enter in fully into our message. So why don't we bow our heads and just pray as we gather around God's word. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we are so thankful that we get to do this. Lord, that we get to gather as your people together. Lord, I just pray this morning that if there is a hint of guilt or shame or if any of us feel that, Lord, I just pray this morning that you would just wipe that away. Lord, we know that you're a loving, caring father who doesn't operate out of guilt or shame. And Lord, I pray this morning that as we begin to unpack gathering together, Lord, would we be a community, a, a gathered people who are united. Lord, I pray that we would begin to understand how we are so much better being gathered together. Lord, help us have the ears to hear and just would our hearts just be open, Lord, to whatever you want to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, community better together, gathered, together, unity, all of these buzzwords. Is it true? Is it true that we need to be gathered together? And if so, where on earth can we see it in the Bible? Because it would be one thing me telling you, oh guys, it's brilliant being gathered together, love being gathered together. But maybe some of us, actually quite like myself, are a wee bit introverted. And gathering together is probably one of the last things maybe that we want to do on a Sunday, or maybe it's one of the last things that we want to do during the week. But where can we see community and gathered environments where people gathered together in the Bible? I think it's always a good place to start, probably. So firstly, we can look at the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are all distinctly unique, so very unique and different. And yet they are perfectly united in being, love, and purpose. They all represent a true community of perfect love and harmony and working together. If we look at two scriptures, we can see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together. So they should pop up on the screen for you. But the first one is Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. We read that the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters at the moment of creation, pointing to the Holy Spirit's intimate involvement in the six-day process of making the earth and filling it with life. God the Father and God the Holy Spirit were working together, together as one. We also read in John chapter 1 verses 3, it says this. Now this is always a wee bit of a tongue twister, so please bear with me. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Wee bit of a tongue twister. Yeah, it's always a wee tricky one, isn't it? So this refers to God the Father and God the Son, which in this passage is referred to as the Word, at the beginning of creation, indicating that the Father made all things through the Son and that nothing was created apart from the influence of the Son. So in those two scriptures, we can see that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together during the creation process. All very different. All very, very different. But yet all working together with one another in unity and in harmony. So we can also look at the beginning of the church where we see community, unity, and togetherness in a totally different light. So here in Acts 2, I personally think is one of the best descriptions or the best way that I can see community in the Bible. What we see here is a community that are actually living out the commandment given to us in John 13, love one another as I have loved you. A community with that so focused at its heart. So it says this, Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the early church, they met together, they prayed, they broke bread, they had meals together. They sold their possessions to be able to give to anybody who had a need. You see, this begins to reveal the spiritual wealth and the spiritual joy of these communities, ending with one of the best lines, and every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. So if we just take a quick pause on the book of Acts, and we just take a quick detour to look at Psalm 133, it says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. You see, blessing begins to flow from community. God begins to bring increase when we are bound together in love and in unity. So we as the church, we have a responsibility. Together, corporately, we're all under one roof, corporately together, to reach the lost and invite them into a community. So I want to challenge some of us this morning. How are we inviting others into community? How are we inviting those to gathered events? 
One of my dad's favorite movies is uh, The Gladiator Movie. Anybody, anybody seen it? Anybody's favorite? Personally, my hand would be down. Nowhere near my top 100. I just don't enjoy it, and I don't know why. Um, but yeah, I actually, my dad's actually a pastor as well, and he'll probably watch this back, bless him. But it's now my turn to use my dad as an example, because if you were ever a pastor's kid or you ever had anybody speak up at the front, you were always the example when it came to obeying parents and all. You know, you were, so now's my time to get my dad back. But, <laughs> but personally, it wouldn't be anywhere near my top 100, but that is totally besides the point. He also probably thinks he's a Russell Crowe lookalike, but I would say he'd need to catch himself on. So there we go. But his favorite line from that film, and he says it time and time and time and time again, is this. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And I'll say it again. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And that is huge for us as believers this morning. We're called to do mission and do mission together. So how can we be doing mission corporately as one here in Carrick together, united as the church? So we've took our detour, we parked Acts, we went quickly to Psalm 133. We're now going to jump back into Acts and away from the Gladiator movie, I'll be glad to know. Um, So how can we take the example of the early church who invested so much into one another. They may have sold all their possessions so that nobody went without, but I think there's something really, really significant in that this morning. We might think that it sounds probably absolutely ridiculous in this day and age, we've got a cost of living crisis, that we might sell our stuff, but I wonder if we adopted the same attitude that nobody went without. How can we invest in community? How can we as the church united invest in community? And it might not look like selling everything that we own. And if I was to sell everything that I own, it probably wouldn't amount to very much, but it might not look like selling everything we own. But what if it was that nobody went without a hot meal for the week? Or what if it was that nobody ate that hot meal by themselves? What if we were to adopt some of the same characteristics of the early church? What would it look like for us in a day and age where the cost of living crisis seems to be going up and up and up and up? What would it look like for us to be a generous community that nobody went without? Whoever was in need, the church helped meet that need as best as we can. What would it look like for us to be a generous church gathered together to rise up within our community with unity at its forefront? To us sitting here this morning, it probably makes no sense that the church shared everything. But it really was just an act of love for one another. And because of it, God infused everything that they did with powerful grace and with great miracles that were done in his name. You see, this was so much a part of the early Christian communities of the early church that Luke actually wrote about it twice in Acts. And we read then in Acts 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything 
that they had. The first thing that we can see from that we um, that we verse there is that the believers were all of one heart and of one mind. You see, if Jesus is the one true Lord, then his followers should all be singing off the same hymn sheet. We should be loving the Lord our God with absolutely everything that we have, with everything that we can. And then the second greatest command, loving our neighbor. You see, one heart and one mind, loving the Lord, loving our neighbor. In saying that, we probably won't agree on absolutely everything that we face, okay? So if I was to come to the welcome team and say, actually, welcome team, I think this week we'll do Hawaiian shirts. I don't think many people would actually begin to agree with me, and Bobby's probably sweating, thinking I'm going to make him wear a Hawaiian shirt. But we won't agree on absolutely everything. But imagine, church, if we were all of one heart and of one mind, that we absolutely loved the Lord our God with everything that we have. And we began to love our neighbors so radically and so generously that we were such a united, gathered people. The second thing we see is this, that no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Whenever I first read through some of the early church stuff in Acts, and Acts is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I just think it's filled with lots of adventure and lots of like, you just never know what's coming around the corner, I guess, in Acts. But whenever I read this at first, it kind of, on first glance, in probably a way that I would never have looked at it before, I thought it made them sound really, really poor when they didn't claim any of their possessions for themselves, but that they shared everything that they had. But I was then reminded by the Lord that actually this does not mean that they were poor. What it meant was that they were not driven by greed. They weren't driven by their possessions. Their possessions weren't in control of them. Their money wasn't in control of them. What it means is that they were moved into action, that they were moved into action by love for one another way more than they were moved by their material things. Because they were of one heart and one mind of affection for one another, they acted completely selfishly. They took care of those in need without complaint and without expecting anything in return. And I don't know about you, sometimes whenever I feel like I'm doing a good, a good wee generous thing here, I'll pop the pound in the box. I'm almost expecting a pound to come back into my pocket. But what I'm seeing here in the early church was that they weren't expecting anything in return. Those who had simply shared so that those in need got. How can we begin to adopt the characteristics of the early church? How can we begin to set greed, possessions, money aside so that we can be a gathered people who are so generous? that we can be a gathered people who rise up with unity at its forefront. So I, now that we've begun to unpack what community can look like, and we've looked at our early church in Acts there, I want to give us four quick reasons why I believe it's still necessary for us to be gathered together in person. Because sometimes we can look at the characteristics and we can talk about generosity and that nobody went without but sometimes we feel to miss that actually the early church, they, 
gathered together. Remember, they ate, they prayed together, they broke bread together. Actually, sometimes we can begin to forget that. So I want to give you four quick reasons why I believe it's still necessary for us to be gathering together in person. Number one, it's biblical. We've just read two pieces of scripture there, but I want to give you another one. You see, when we look again at the early church, we can see that they gathered in homes. Acts 2, verse 1 and 2, it says that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They were together, gathered in homes. They were together in smaller groups where they shared meals and they shared life together. And if maybe you are part of a connect group or maybe you're not, whenever I read something like this, it does just really remind me of a connect group sometimes where we're sharing life, we're learning with one another, we're being real, we're being honest. Maybe if you've got a good connect group leader, they'll maybe give you a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, or maybe a wee donut, who knows? but it's biblical to connect with one another. So they gathered in homes, we see there, but they also went to the synagogue in Acts 3 and 5, that the early church regularly all gathered together at the temple. You see, they gathered together, larger gatherings. You see, as the people of God, I think it is so important that we are gathering together, that we are following the example that we are given in scripture from the early church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, I'll say it again, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawn near. You see, we cannot give up meeting together, church. And actually, I think a key in this is we need to be accountable as the family of God, his people bound together by his love. If we want to be unified, we have to at least be together. I don't know if it's maybe it's just me, but in order to be unified, I think we need to gather together. It's biblical to gather together, but accountability is so key. Keeping people accountable is so key. And I know there have been many times where it's been so easy to just walk in the door, take a seat, sing the songs, and leave. But actually, church, it's so important that we keep each other accountable. I've dropped the ball so many times. I'll hold my hands and say it. Maybe I haven't reached out. Maybe I haven't sent that message. Maybe I haven't challenged or encouraged someone to come back. But accountability is key. But it's also so biblical to gather. So we've had it's biblical to gather as number one. Number two, church gathering together, connect groups in homes. It's a place to be equipped. Gathering together is more than just coming into a building and leaving again. But gathering together is a time to be equipped for the week ahead, for whatever situation we might find ourselves in. To be gathered with like-minded people who are going after a common goal, loving God and loving people. Proverbs 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need to be sharpened and equipped with the word of God, with like-minded people, 
so that when the opportunity arises, we not only have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us as believers, but that we have the knowledge to share the gospel. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission, then Jesus said to them, came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If we're to fulfill the Great Commission, we need to be equipped with the teaching in order to pass that on. It doesn't mean that we neglect our quiet devotions or our quiet personal time with the Lord, but it is so important to be with like-minded people and to be equipped moving forward together. We want to be a gathered people with unity at its forefront, but if we're not equipped, where are we going? So we've had its biblical. Gathering together is a place to be equipped. Number three, Jesus modeled it. Jesus modeled gathering together. Although Jesus, we can see throughout the Gospels that Jesus maybe sought out times of solitude and prayer on his own, much of his ministry took place in the context of community. Jesus deliberately chose to surround himself with people and to invite them to join him in what he was doing. Jesus was doing more than preparing people just to be a witness for his life and his mission. He was intentional about living with a community of friends. You see, he sent out the 72, his larger community. He had the 12 disciples where he invested more time with, and he had his three intimate relationships with James, Peter, and John. As we're trying to become more like Jesus, how can we invest in larger gatherings, church gatherings together? How can we be intentional with a smaller group of people? How can we be intentional with our connect groups and gathering smaller, maybe being a wee bit more intimate with one another? And finally, who are our three people? People who we look to for wisdom, advice, guidance, but they can also keep us accountable whenever we need it. So we've had it's biblical to gather. We've had gathering together is a place to be equipped. We've had Jesus modeled it. And number four, Community is so much better than doing life on our own. I don't have any big, da-da. Like, community is so much better than doing life on our own. But the thing is, the enemy loves isolation. The enemy loves to make us feel like we're the only ones that are doing this, that we're the only ones that are coming up against hard things. But you see, Jesus invites us to be part of family. He invites us to be a part of community. I once heard a great quote at a, at a youth uh, conference one time, and it said that Jesus whispers to his friends because he wants them to be close, but he shouts to his enemies because he doesn't want to be anywhere near them. How can we be like Jesus? How can we be so close to one another that we know what's going on in each other's lives? And don't get me wrong, church, sometimes it can be messy. Flip me, sometimes my life can be messy when we step into each other's lives. We are all human and no one is perfect so it requires effort and it requires intentionality and most importantly it requires grace from God to do life together even as believers gathering regularly with one another becomes a refining process whereby we help each other we pray for each other we encourage one another to want to follow Christ more wholeheartedly community is a gift that invites us 
to gather with one another. It invites us to journey through life with one another. I read a quote recently um, from a pastor in the States, and it says this. He was talking about um, church online and how after COVID, he just he was finding that his church wouldn't come out. And he says this, there is something better to worship God together and to be committed to worshiping him together, to hear his word together. Do not reduce church to listening to a podcast. It is so much more than that. It's community. It's worshiping with others, praying for others, hurting with others, serving others, being involved in the life of others. Don't reduce church to whatever we find online. How can we gather together? Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 to 12 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Church, it is so much better doing community with like-minded people who are going after a common goal to love God and to love people. So we've had four ways there that that I can kind of see why it's still important that we gather together. But I wonder as we've been listening or maybe we've been challenged, I wonder where the Lord is inviting you to connect and do a deeper way in the church family. I wonder, is it joining a connect group that maybe you've put off for so long? I wonder, is it serving on a team? Is it opening up your home for a meal? Is it going for coffee with someone? Or is it hanging back for an extra five minutes after the service to connect in with one another. But I just want to add this in as, as we begin to close. Vulnerability is a real, real gift to the church. Authentic community is a gift to the church where we don't have to pretend to be okay, where we don't have to pretend that life is absolutely all roses and, I don't know, some other nice flowers. Real, authentic, vulnerable community is so important within the church. You see, we get to step into connect groups or church or together with friends, being real and having people around us that we know are going to pray for us, that are going to encourage us and are going to stir us up wherever we're at. C.S. Lewis says, deep community is not the goal a church seeks, but the result of people living for something greater than themselves. You see, when we choose to live wholeheartedly for Jesus, when we choose to lay everything down at his feet and say, Jesus, I'm all in, we are choosing to live for something greater than ourselves. But we get to do it in community. We get to do it with like-minded people. So I'm just going to invite the worship team if they want to come back up just as I close. And you see, this morning we've been talking about gathering together and really at the heart of it all is we want to be gathered together and united. We want to be gathered together as a people who are united with a common goal, to love God and to love people. But you see, we, we need to fight for unity sometimes. And you see, we fight for unity, we fight for community, not for unity or community's sake, but because our mission 
is so compromised whenever unity and community is broken. You see, we're a family of God. We're a family of believers with a mission that is far too vital to put at risk. We are so much better when we are united and when we gather together. So where is the Lord inviting you to connect deeper into community? If you're a visitor with us this morning, feel free to take one of our We November cards, or maybe you didn't get one last week. We have a card of things that are going on in church throughout the month of November. There is numerous ways that we can connect in this morning. But how can we be united and together as the people of God as we do that? So why don't we stand just as I pray um, to close. So if you want to stand with me, just before we enter into in the final piece of worship. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of church. Lord, we thank you for the gift of doing life together. Lord, I pray this morning that this would not have been something that was uh, riddled with guilt, but Lord, I just pray this morning that we would know and feel how loved and accepted we are as a community here at Carrick Nazarene Church. Lord, I pray that as we begin to think about how we can be gathered together, Lord, how we can do life with one another, Lord, that we would remember you at the forefront of it all. Lord, that we would place you right where you were always designed to be, at the front of everything. Lord, I pray within our gathered environments, Lord, that we would begin to know you in a deeper way, that we would begin to know one another in a deeper way. And Lord, I pray this morning that where accountability is key, Lord, I pray this morning that we would be people with gentle words, with gentle hearts, where we would wrap our arms around one another and say, I haven't seen you in a while. We've missed you. Lord, I pray that we would be a united people that rise up within our community. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. And we give you all the praise, Lord, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.